This is the Quantum Tech Pod, brought to you by Inside Quantum Technology, covering industry analysis, data, and market forecasting for quantum technology markets worldwide. Now, here's your host, Christopher Bishop. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Quantum Tech Pod. I'm delighted that you're listening. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you're sitting on the planet. My guest today is Sam Mugol, who's the co-founder and CTO of Multiverse Computing. Sam recently finished his PhD in ultra-cold atoms and was chief technical advisor at the Quantum Revolution Fund, where he was constantly on the lookout for promising quantum technology startups to invest in. In his free time, Sam likes to program and tinker with electronics. His other pastime is to go hiking in the Catalan Mountains or climb up their spectacular cliffs. His company, Multiverse Computing, provides software for companies from the financial industry who want to gain an edge with quantum computing. Their fields of expertise are portfolio optimization problems, risk analysis, and market simulation. So, Sam, welcome, and thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Chris. I'm really excited to be here. Great. Sam, I always like to start the podcast by asking my guest to share a bit about their own personal quantum journey, if you will. And my objective really is twofold. First, to give our audience a sense of what you did before you founded Multiverse Computing, but also to orient listeners to the fact that there are many ways and various paths that people have taken to get into the field of quantum information science. So can you share a little bit about your background and your path so far, like where you grew up and where you went to school, maybe more detail about what you studied, and any insight into organizations or companies where you worked? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I grew up in France, I'm from Paris, um, and I caught the travel bug uh, really early and studied in universities all over, really, in Scotland and Switzerland and Canada, um, and ended up up doing my PhD between two labs, uh, one in England and one in Spain. So I've been involved with uh, four startups so far, Uh, unfortunately, no exits for the moment. Um, however, uh, one of those um, was a uh, investment fund in uh, quantum technology. So uh, it was called the Quantum Revolution Fund. This was back in uh, 2017. There was a, a golden moment where lots of people were setting up investment funds in quantum computing. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of them went bust, including the Quantum Revolution Fund. <laughs> yeah. Um, But what was really exciting about it is it really gave me very early on a bird's eye view of the field and and an understanding of where the excellent opportunities were. So fascinating. Um, I want to ask you, so the segue is from that background, working with that fund, you know, what made you want to start a quantum computing company? Like what led you to that moment? Was it some kind of epiphany, maybe I'm proposing maybe a random conversation in a lab or with... LPs or, or partners at the fund, or maybe a revelation over a cup of coffee in a cafe in one of the many European spots where you were working or studying? The epiphany moment was actually during an interview. Um, hmm. At the time, I was in an organization, a non-lucrative organization called the uh, Quantum World Association. And uh, we'd made a name for ourselves by studying the impacts of uh, quantum computing for finance. And uh, we were in an interview and a journalist uh, asked Enrique, who's now my CEO, 
what the name of our company was. And him, without me missing a beat, he said, it's multiverse computing. And I, I think he just said this like spurt of the moment kind of things. And, and me and my other co-founders just looked at each other in disbelief. <laughs> wow, funny. And yeah, after that, like lots of customers started uh, contacting us and we were approached by the Creative Destruction Lab, so an important incubator in Toronto. And uh, yeah. and that's when we decided to incorporate as a company, basically. Wow. And so when was that? How long have you been multiverse? Um, multiverse, we incorporated in 2019, so almost three years ago now. Hmm. And uh, the Quantum World Association, we started working together in 2017. So it's been uh, five years. Wow. So I have to say that you're <laughs> yeah. the only um, quantum computing company, and I you know, speak to many execs and founders and uh, people in this business, um, but you guys are specifically focused on one vertical, financial services. Although I did read you're branching out into maybe other industries where there are optimization problems like energy. But can you share a bit of detail about specific problems you're addressing for your clients, uh, like portfolio optimization, Monte Carlo simulations, risk management? I saw a list of clients that includes BBVA, Bankia, the European Tax Agency, and the Bank of Canada. Um, without re- revealing you know, confidential information or, or competitive advantage, can you share a little bit about what you're doing for those clients, please? Absolutely. Um, So our star product is a portfolio optimization toolbox. Um, This is a tool that we developed in collaboration with BBVA and Keisha. And um, we're currently working on with an American bank. And this tool is currently in pre-production with some of our customers, which is very, very exciting for us. This is something that we identified really early on as a low-hanging fruit in quantum computing. And part of the reason is that everyone understands the value of portfolio optimization. The the returns on investment are extremely clear. Yeah. And and also quantum optimization hardware is amongst the most mature hardware that that is currently out there. Aside from that, we're also developing a higher risk and um, higher reward products. So things like uh, new and better models for machine learning. So to that to that effect, we've been working with Crédit Agricole, uh, which is the world's 11th biggest bank. Hmm. Uh, we've been working uh, with them on some quantum-inspired uh, machine learning uh, tools. So one problem that they've seen is the quantitative finance models Uh, suffer from a high dependence on the training data. And obviously, this isn't what you want. You don't want the the outputs outputs of your model to be highly dependent on the the whims of the market. And so our idea is, let's see if we can address this with uh, tensor networks, which are a battery of algorithms that were developed in, uh, in quantum, to simulate quantum systems, basically. Aside from that, like you said, we worked with the tax agency. I tried to keep this this list short, but uh, no, it's got... good. It's all good. Okay, uh, so we're working uh, with the Spanish tax agency on fraud detection. Um, this was an incredibly difficult problem. We, the tax agency, just gave us this huge data set 
of, uh, of lots of tax um, reports, basically. And it had many, many features and absolutely no labels. They had no examples. Yeah. Oh, my. Um, well, so, so on that point, so I want to interrupt you because I read um, or saw it in your video. There's a great video, by the way, on your website. But you describe taking algorithms to identify anomalies that have been used like in astrophysics and applying them to like fraud detection, which I think is a fascinating sort of transfer of existing protocols, if you will. Yeah. So you're very well informed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this I'm is a exactly, fan. Uh, yeah. So this is exactly what we did. We, um, we took an algorithm that was um, developed for identifying weird looking things in the night sky, basically. And um, the, the trouble with tax data is that there's a lot of things that might appear weird. And same same problem is true in the night sky. And the algorithm, through rounds of feedback, in our case, we would submit weird-looking points to our clients, and they'd conduct an audit, and then they'd help us through various rounds of this, zero in on which are the actual interesting weird points. Basically. Terrific. I, I, th- I thought that was a very exciting uh, application again, transferability, uh, pattern matching, right? Using existing processes or learnings to inform the next iteration of computing, if you will. Exactly. Right? And so at the moment, we're actually, this is a little bit far fetched, but we've seen a use case within the manufacturing industry uh, for this particular product. And so we're now working in collaboration with Bosch. Um, to try to do predictive maintenance on their machine. Essentially, we want to be able to predict when those exceptional and very, very expensive events happens that one of their machines might break down. And obviously, again, we have a huge amount of data to, to deal with in this case and, um, to, to help us predict when these events will happen. Wow, great. Thank you. So, so in a recent article, you stated that... Uh, you sort of called out differences between qubit solutions, which I don't see, I don't hear about a lot when I talk to or read about, uh, you know, advances in quantum computing. So you said that D-waves annealing quantum machines are good, say, for optimization problems, while IBM superconducting and INQ's trapped ion quantum computers perform better on, say, machine learning tasks. So you also described working with companies using uh, ultra-cold atoms, which is your... Uh, area of expertise, because that approach, in fact, scales incredibly well. So can you share for our listeners just more insight about pros and cons of various qubit approaches for your software, for your solution? Yeah, this is this is an absolutely essential problem for NISC quantum computers. So that yeah. stands for uh, near intermediate uh, quantum systems. So I should say that again, noisy intermediate quantum systems. So it's absolutely essential to understand that a lot of these quantum uh, processing units um, are prone to errors and also solve natively a particular problem. And, And understanding what that problem is and how it relates to industry is is really really important to be able to get value out of these processes 
for instance, D-Wave, we've seen that they're extremely competitive for integer optimization problems. These are, these are really, really difficult uh, problems for classical computers to deal with. We've published a bunch of impressive benchmarking in our BBVA article, and, and we're currently benchmarking uh, D-Wave against best-in-class uh, algorithms like Jurobi. Um, and so this is some work that we hope to publish in the future. We found that D-Wave, well, the D-Wave algorithms tend to win against uh, particularly hard uh, problems, optimization, integer optimization problems. And this is part of the value that we bring. We're able to, to find use cases where this edge translates to business value, essentially. As far as IONQ goes, they have extremely high connectivity. They have excellent fidelities. And so they're very well suited for tasks like Quantum Accelerated Monte Carlo, uh, where you only need low number of qubits, but you need extremely high circuit depths. And and you were asking about cold atom platforms. Uh, this yeah. Is, yeah. So this is kind of the newest kid on the block uh, for as far as industry applications go. Um, the I, I believe the hardware um, cold atom platform hardware is only just becoming accessible for for industry applications. So these platforms tend to have higher error rates for for two qubit gates and things like this. But if you're able to develop machine learning models which perform well despite these errors, uh, then you automatically have hundreds of qubits that you can play with with very high uh, connectivity. So, so we kind of view this as a high-risk, high-reward platform, basically. And, and so we're working on a very ambitious project with Crédit Agricole at the moment in collaboration with uh, the French player Pascal, specifically to apply this platform to, to credit scoring applications. So again, I think it's fascinating that you are looking at the business problem and then determining what qubit array or solution is appropriate based on the business objective, right? Fantastic. Con congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> That's a very smart approach, I think. Let's talk about fair price. I read that... Uh, this offering delivers higher accuracy, say, in fair price calculations for financial institutions over classical, uh, you know, current classical computing methods. And the model is that you lease it for 100,000 euros a year. So obviously, this takes away the conversations about maintenance and upgrading and support. Um, but wondering, you know, how will you continue to offer your software that way? Are there other models maybe where it'll be an on-prem deployment where you'll put it on somebody's machine in their data center or whatever device they're using? Uh, yes, yeah, so you're absolutely correct. We're going to continue to deploy our, our software on the cloud like this. And our plan is to charge a flat fee uh, for full access to, to our toolbox. And um, uh, so a flat yearly fee. And obviously you get maintenance out of that and, and support. And maybe some minor personalization as well. With, However, we, we have done on-prem deployment in the past, and I believe that that's, we're going to continue to offer this uh, to, to clients for the particular cases where uh, data regulations mean that a part of the computations or all of the computations 
need to have on right. their servers. And so a typical example of this is when you're dealing with extremely sensitive uh, client or individual data like like the tax code project. As a minor spoiler, we're, we're also <laughs> uh, looking at making our solutions available through a software marketplace. So for instance, AWS. Let's um, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about, um, is it QCO? Am I saying that correctly? Is that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly how you say it. Okay. So uh, really interesting, discovered in preparing for our conversation that you're one of seven companies that recently formed a consortium and launched what's called the QCO project with the objective of fostering quantum computing research and development in Spain. So this effort... Uh, according to the press release, is aimed at implementing medium-term private-public quantum projects. Can you tell our listeners more about, you know, what this organization is doing and what the goals are? It's been very exciting. Absolutely. This is, this is an incredibly exciting and, and absolutely huge multi-year project. We're collaborating. So we formed a consortium between Multiverse, BBVA, Repsol, and various other industrial and academic uh, players in Spain. And the aim is to design and implement new uh, NISC algorithms for solving PDEs, for solving statistical differential, uh, stochastic differential equations and uh, training uh, machine learning models. So it's quite, um, the, the aim is really is really to invent new techniques for for using um, f- for using QPUs and and really to to implement quite generic um, methods, but there is a strong industry focus here. Um, we're we're going to be applying all these new techniques that we're developing to the financial and energy industries, and so this is where the the input from BBVA and Repsol are going to be so important. For those that don't know, BBVA is uh, one of the top 50 biggest banks in the world, and and Repsol is a huge uh, energy management company over here in Spain. Very exciting. I look forward to following the progress of that. Is there a milestone? We should be on the lookout for a press release about some uh, announcement or... That's a good question. I, I know that we have to be submitting a whole bunch of reports in October, so some of those might go public. Okay. I didn't want to put you on the spot, but just curious so our <laughs> listeners can can uh, be on the lookout. So shifting gears, I want to get into the, into the weeds a little bit. First of all, congratulations on your recently announced partnership with Xanadu. Bravo. Very, very exciting. Thank you. Right. So this will, um, again, reading about it, it says it'll let you leverage Penny Lane, which is, of course, one of the world's largest open source quantum communities. Uh, wondering how this will work, certainly in terms of any issues with, say, existing APIs or SDKs. How will developers you know, leverage this relationship? Right. So Penny Lane really uh, addresses some pain points for us uh, that are absolutely essential. Um, Penny Lane offers analytical tools that are specially made for NISC algorithms and also offers the ability to run our algorithms on many different backends. Um, so we found that it's really, really useful tool for, for demoing um, our models and for gaining insights into how um, 
how to design our algorithms to, to get the most bang for our buck, basically. So we'll typically use uh, Penny Lane when we're first tackling a project and we still need to gain insight on how to solve it. Usually, we'll tend to switch later on in the project to the, to the vendor's uh, programming language um, because that usually has com- compilers and error mitigation tools that, that are more suited for their specific GPU, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, right. Having said that, maybe I should add that we're also heavily working with Xanadu's own platform at the moment. And um, obviously, we're going to be uh, rating that entire project on Penny Lane because there's, there's no no better programming language for for running uh, software on their, on their platform. Well, you know, thank you for sharing that, that perspective, that insight. So an area of focus... Uh, and passion for me is workforce, right? I'm a nonlinear, multimodal careerist myself. And so I always like to ask my guests, you know, uh, what's your take on the challenge, you know, facing a company like Multiverse Computing and finding talent? I know there's a, you know, a large demand as this space grows, companies grow. Um, you know, how do you go about recruiting for your company? Maybe do you have affiliations perhaps with, with universities? I know that's that can often be a pipeline. And wondering also, are there specific roles that you find are harder to fill than others? So we've actually been incredibly successful at attracting uh, excellent uh, talent. So uh, our headquarters are based out of San Sebastian in Spain. So not a city that's very famous for as a quantum computing hub, yeah, <laughs> but uh, but I since we've been here, the we've definitely helped to develop the ecosystem here uh, with the talent that we've attracted. We've we've hired people, several people from Mexico, Chile, Taiwan, all over all over Europe and and Asia, and and these are all like best talents in the world for quantum computing that have come to to this town here and and actually we're not thrilled about this but, but <laughs> i think it's a good thing for the town uh, we've also had a bunch of competitors that that have come to set up shop in the best country <laughs> oh no really yeah <laughs> wow but back oh. to your question. So we, uh, one of my co-founders, Roman Oris, uh, so he's the scientific director of, uh, of Multiverse, and he's actually also a professor at the DIPT um, here in San Sebastian, a professor in quantum computing. And so uh-huh. we have that very, very strong affiliation with the DIPC. And, and by extension as well to his entire academic network. So that's been an absolutely fantastic source of, uh, of quantum talent. Yeah, w- fantastic. So, and then wondering about s- specific roles. So obviously with any growing business, I mean, the core of quantum will be based on uh, people with sort of physics backgrounds and the like, but wondering about other roles, you know, in say communications or marketing or business development or, conversations about policy and regulatory issues, other specific roles that are harder to fill as you grow the business? Let's see. So we, we're extremely active patenting. 
and and we've we haven't yet found the perfect person to to help us with the um, manage the IP in our, in our company. So that's still a task that we're managing with uh, uh, well with my fellow co-founders. So that's a position that we're actively hiring for and and uh, and struggling to fill. On the business development side, we've put a lot of effort into into filling these positions. We've got an absolute superstar uh, sales team. And the reason why we've put so much emphasis on this is that we've made it our core strategy that all our development, all our technology core dev- development had to be client driven. So it's really, really important that we have an excellent team to go and to go and get that talent. In. And we've been fortunate that our our company is quite attractive to to people that are very senior, but but want to want to make a name for themselves in the quantum computing scene as well. And the last talent that's re- been really, really hard to fill um, is uh, Tense Networks uh, talent. Hmm. So this is not TensorFlow. This is a specific type of uh, algorithms within physics. We're very active in that area. And we've got a ton of ideas that, that we want to explore, but we've been struggling to find people to... Um, to to do it with us, you know, and I think part of the reason for that is that there's just not that much tense networks talent out there. So those roles posted on your website, I assume, are going to point listeners to check out those opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there's right. uh, we all those roles are advertised on on our website, and I really encourage anyone to apply because we're we're recruiting very heavily and all the time we're with we're around 45 at the moment and we're aiming to grow to 70 by the end of the year great so sam i want to close our conversation this has been great i want you to uh, take a look in your crystal ball <laughs> and uh give our listeners a sense of certainly how the portfolio might evolve right where do you see multiverse computing in three years or maybe even 10 years, obviously expanding into other um, verticals, it sounds like, from financial services, maybe into energy and other places, maybe automotive, where optimization plays a key role. But what's, what's your take? Share with us your your vision. Absolutely. Uh, Chris, you're asking me for too much. I, I can't do three <laughs> years because for anyone in deep tech, in three <laughs> years is the distant future. So I'm not I going know, to risk myself that much. I'll, I'll tell you about this coming year. Okay. Uh, this coming year, we are going to uh, file 22 patents. Mm. We're going to make available uh, 10 new products. Uh, we're planning wow. to close 10 million euros in contracts and revenue, and wow. one third of that will be recurring revenue. So we're taking that step, and we're going to we're going to really become a fully fledged SaaS company, software as a service company. As you said, aside from that, we're entering into new verticals. We're heavily targeting the energy management, the logistics and manufacturing sectors. And our our plan, let's say, okay, our three-year plan is to to make Multiverse the the quantum solutions industry standard, essentially. Very exciting. 
Wow, I, I love that you that you think three years is too long. And congrats <laughs> on the projected revenue numbers and patents. Wow, very exciting. Sam, thank you very much. I really enjoyed our conversation. I want to invite people to follow you and the company on LinkedIn. For more information, uh, please look at the company website, everybody, multiversecomputing.com, where those job opportunities, career um, postings are listed. Uh, there's a social media channel. You have uh, Multiverse QC on Twitter. People want to follow you guys and learn more about uh, what the company's doing. So thanks, Sam. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you, Chris. This has been fantastic. Thanks, Sam, for joining me today. And thanks to all of you for listening. Please share this podcast on your social media channels to increase the impact of my conversation with Sam. Listen to my other podcast episodes if you haven't already. And please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. This has been a production of Inside Quantum Technology. You've been listening to the Quantum Tech Pod, brought to you by Inside Quantum Technology. For more information on this episode or other topics relating to quantum technology, visit InsideQuantumTechnology.com.